Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Here to talk all things hockey are your hosts, Brad Crisco, Ryan Hanna, and Evan Lobsinger. Apparently, I missed the memo. Because out of the three of us, I'm the only one sitting here with my chin freezing its ass off. (laughs) I told you. I'm happy to and grow the stash. I don't ditch the rest of the beard. I I told you you didn't have a choice. And yet here you are with a naked I literally face. forgot as soon as we walked out of this house. 100% me too. Yeah, I I tried to pretend I was principled there. I actually forgot. It's only been November for 7 days, Evan. Like, look. <laughs> look. And with, Evan's the only one of us who can actually make a mustache look good would, and he doesn't do it. Would this have been okay? You're right. My mustache works better as the whole beard. I will say yours is for a person who can't grow a beard, your mustache is. It comes in perfectly in one spot on my face only. And that's yeah. that's awesome and disheartening at the same time. You have a, um, my kids are going to look back and laugh at my facial hair 20 years from now in pictures look. Yeah. Like, but right now. Yeah. Your photos already looked aged. Yes. Thousand percent. Like Stranger Things, you could audition and be an extra. Like yes, I, I can brag about how good my mustache is at the end of the month. Not how good it looks on me, just like isolated. <laughs> it's fantastic. Yeah, remove the context of your face. Exactly. It's, it's not so bad. Right? Like it, it doesn't work for me. It just works. Yeah. With a little bit more planning, I don't know, with planning the um, the Wind Wheel podcast night at the LCA event and everything, I just feel like Movember, I was like, I can't. I don't have the brain space. You're right. Like uh, we left the house and I was just like, yeah, well, that's 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 freed up RAM. That's not being committed to long-term memory. Sorry. All right, folks. It's for only one of us cares about men's health. It's fine. It's fine. Very obviously. Have you seen how Evan and I treat our bodies? Oh, I've You know I, what? That's the best point you've made in months. <laughs> yeah. We're not good to ourselves. I am not a strong <laughs> campaigner for men's health, that is for sure. My body is a temple that has been abandoned and looted and spray painted and the walls have been kicked in. Oh yeah. It can be renovated. I just don't feel like it right now. <laughs> Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Uh one third of us have uh actually cared about our bodies. In terms of fitness, weird opening. I'm Ryan Hanna. Trying desperately not to make a fitness pizza joke. I'm Brad. And I'm Evan. There we go. That's actually what we talked um, about Evan not smiling last episode. That's the only time he smiles when he can <laughs> say the line. Um, all right. Here to talk to you about Red Wings hockey. Three games since last episode, and we were recording just now at the end of their uh most recent game, which was the win against the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, so pretty exciting. Uh, lots. One game, not much happened. And another <laughs> game. One team. Yeah, another game, not much happened until the very end. Anyways, lots to talk about. Uh, we'll talk about the Red Wings in general. Uh, we'll talk about Jack Eichel, the trade. Which <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> almost like we should have waited. Weird how that worked out. No, it's because of us he it got traded. Absolutely, is because of us. Like I don't, I don't. I think I put one foot into my bed yeah. when that trade broke. hundred after we recorded, mm-hmm. it was immediately after you messaged saying, "Oh, the Matthew Kachuk rumors got shot down," and then like two hours later, the deal was done with Vegas or something like that. You're welcome, everyone. Yeah, How dare you give him credit for that. Was that you? Yes. Oh, sorry. 
Uh, you think Evan's checking Twitter at 1130 at night? Evan does There's zero chance. <laughs> Evan does randomly break stuff in the chat. He'll send something and I'll be like, what? Evan, why are you even checking? Or check- I have randomly already retweeted it and then you message us. I think it was <laughs> maybe Joe Valeno in the lineup and I had already retweeted yeah. it. Yeah. I didn't want to call you out on it because I appreciate the heads up, but <laughs> I was lightning quick on that one. You got to be the only person on Twitter with 4,000 followers who I think has tweeted twice in your life. Like genuinely like composed your own tweet and sent yeah. it. His tweet to follower ratio is only bested by one tweet, Tony. <laughs> yeah, legit. Like, that's it. Anyways, uh, we'll be talking about Eichel. Uh, we'll mention the McDavid goal just because it deserves airtime. And uh, we'll get into overtime, whatever other shenanigans happen. But first, uh, the Jamie Daniels Foundation, an organization we're very, very proud to partner with. The Jamie Daniels Foundation has a lot going on right now. Uh, The Celebrity Roast of Brett Hull is airing on November 22nd, so you have that to look forward to. And if you go to jamiedanielsfoundation.org, you'll see a link to their silent auction, which has a ton of great stuff. We mentioned it uh, previously on this podcast. The 18 mil over the cap, Kucherov signed Tampa Bay Lightning Stanley Cup hat, Uh, Brett Hull signed jersey. Uh, signed photos and and packages of Gordy Howe, the production line, uh, other sports memorabilia. There's golf trips. There's travel. There's spa golf trips. Oh yeah, there's golf trips. Can't uh, make sure it's just your credit card you're putting in there, buddy. Not cats. Oh no, it would be mine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's a, there's a lot of great stuff to check out. So uh, go to jamiedanielsfoundation.org to check out that silent auction. Another way to support the Jamie Daniels Foundation, we are on the six-day countdown for Winged Wheel Podcast Night at the LCA. Detroit Red Wings and the Winged Wheel Podcast have partnered up. We are going to be doing an event uh, at the LCA for the Red Wings uh, Habs game on November 13th. Uh, We are going to be running a meetup before the game, which will include a live recording of the podcast. It's going to include merch giveaways, uh, swag giveaways, Meet and greet with us, the hosts. Evan has promised to sign as many autographs as his hands can handle. Yes. Uh, <laughs> That's three. <laughs> yes, it is. There's been hundreds upon hundreds of tickets sold, Evan, so good luck to you. Yeah. I am equal parts excited and also terrified. Five bucks to me and Brad for every time you say, I don't want to see this on eBay. I'm not never going to say that. That would be really funny if you said it, though. No, I'm good. <laughs> Uh, special guest appearance. Five bucks to the person who actually does put it on. hundred percent, yeah. Uh, special guest appearance uh, appearances, including, and most notably, Ken Daniels. So come out. If you have bought a ticket, you should have received an email with details uh, about the meetup, where to go, uh, how to get in, that kind of thing. And then, of course, uh, your ticket not only gets you into the meetup and all that good stuff, but the uh, Winged Wheel podcast seating sections. We thought it would be one section. It turns out it is many sections. Uh, we are going to be controlling an entire corner of the arena, I believe. Um, so tickets are still available. We put in our last available batch of tickets for that. So link in the bio or wingwheelpodcast.com slash blog if you want to look at that post. Um, if anybody is not in those sections but still attending the game and you want to know where that section is, it there's a very strong chance it will be the loudest and most obnoxious corner of the arena. Yes. And if you're a season ticket holder and you already have tickets to the game, um, you can join the festivities. Obviously, you already had a ticket coming in. Uh, we just ask that you consider, if you're able, uh, making a donation to the Jamie Daniels Foundation. So jamiedanielsfoundation.org if you're um, able to do that. Uh, what else? Oh, post-game. We're going to be doing a post-game hangout. It'll be fun details on that as well check your emails and if you don't have an email from us and you bought a ticket 
shoot us a message on Twitter at Winged Wheel Pod. All right. Uh, the Detroit Red Wings. Where do we want to start? The Buffalo game? The Boston game. Sorry, the Boston game. I, why do I keep mixing? We got to get the names? sad part out of the it's way. The bees. For, it's the bees. It's the bees. Bees. Yes, I got that reference. Thank you. I was actually really concerned mm-hmm. that you didn't. Do you get it, Brad? No. Okay. Uh, is it okay? Is it something I should get? Arrested or is Development this... would be right up Brad's Avenue. I think. Yes and no. I have an answer for that. What is you've it? already oh, watched oh. it? Wow. I don't. Okay. This. I'm not a fan of awkward humor in general. It's not my thing. Have you met you? <laughs> yes, and that's why it's not artists my thing. usually don't like their own. That's true. Art, right? <laughs> Want to see me prove my point on this? Evan, how many episodes of the Winged Wheel podcast have you listened to? Um, you know what? <laughs> In the past four years or five and a five years, very little. How long have we been doing the show? Five years, six years, 2015, right? No, yeah, nearly seven, buddy. That's crazy. Okay, so six years. <laughs> it's been six years. <laughs> hey, I think we're just about at six years, nine months. Nice. Yeah, there we go. Uh, Brad, the Boston game, take us away. Um, so, fun fact the current title holder for lowest amount of shots on net in a game by any nhl team this season is 15 and that is held by the thursday night detroit red wings <laughs> against the boston Bruins. it was uh, on the scoreboard not their worst performance of the year but it was their worst performance of the year the penalty kill was a disaster they generated almost nothing offensively outside of uh lucas raymond's one timer on a five on three and um yeah, there's there's really nothing to say beyond that other than maybe two players outside of the goaltender played a, a, an average to above average game on the entire team and the rest of them laid an absolute egg. Notable highlights, uh, Moritz Sider nearly demolished Brad Marchand, who actually got out of the way the hit was able to get the shot off, which reminds you why Brad Marchand, though annoying, is one of the best players in the league. Um, Marchand and Bertuzzi mixing it up is the all-rat showdown that the entire nhl deserves uh zadina turning mcavoy inside out that was fun yeah that was fun and uh lucas raymond power play goal cider to ronick ronick with a beautiful feed to lucas raymond who that five on three conversion i was like man it is weird watching this team get chances and expecting them to convert and then they do it like all of those steps don't you haven't happened in the past five years so that was, yeah, and um, that's it. That was those were the only strong points of that game. Yes, everything else was capital B bad. Bertuzzi was back that game, which was good. Um, still, Larkin wasn't back, uh, and Larkin wasn't back for the Buffalo game either. He just came back for Vegas, and we'll we'll chat about that in a minute. Um, yeah. There's not much else. I did. Uh, I worked with Max. Max had a great article. Go check it out on the Athletic Detroit covering uh, a full Mo Sider game. And man, watching that kid play, a more underappreciated part of Mo Sider's game is something that we talked about a lot with Nicholas Littstrom, which is you almost don't realize how good he is because he stops plays before they even happen. Think of how many plays Mo Sider breaks up in the neutral zone or at the blue line. Just through anticipation and hockey IQ, 
he'll make sure the first pass isn't even made. Like two guys will be breaking out and streaking. And if that puck gets to them, then that's a two on one. Mo Sider has anticipated that, has read the play, stepped up. And with his reach and his physical skills, breaks up the play. And it's like, did not have to lay a big hit. Did not have to have this diving, you know, uh, poke check or, or stop or whatever it is. Like just smart, efficient, good defense. And that's why it's underappreciated because it's not flashy. There's no puck in the net. There's no like big boom, but he really does do those things well. Anyways, they lost the game pretty badly. <laughs> <laughs> um, the Buffalo Sabres game, continuing the most cider conversation. Brad just started grinning. Well, that was um, they scored 16 seconds in, which was fun. So we're like, hey, maybe this won't be like for the the Boston game. And then for the next 50 minutes, it was a lot like the Boston game. And then I don't know what happened. So Buffalo jumped ahead to a 3-1 lead uh, position. The Red Wings have seen themselves in many times this season. Mm -hmm. Um, A couple times, actually, coming back successfully and other times not. Last 10 minutes of this game, that top line just turned a flip to switch. And the top line at that point was Suter, Raymond, number two and before you know it, it's a tie game. Uh, Red Wings run a really good cycle. Raymond runs around, makes a pass to DeKaiser. Danny DeKaiser with the beautiful cross-seam pass mm-hmm. for Tyler Bertuzzi for the one-timer to make it 3-2. Then the Red Wings run a successful transition, get the puck to Tyler Bertuzzi in motion through the neutral zone, and then he proceeds to absolutely turnstile Rasmus Dahlin. Big week for Red Wings turnstiling a Norris-caliber defenseman. Um, not Rasmus Dahlin. Not, not, not lately. And um, Buffalo, the state of New York, what are you doing to hockey prospects? <laughs> Please. Anyways, go ahead. Anyways. Um, well, Dahlin did score that game. But anyways. Uh-huh. Uh, and then, yeah, Bertuzzi absolutely walks him, ties the game. And then, then overtime. And then overtime. If you listen to the clip of Mo Sider um, scoring his first career NHL goal, the OT winner, you can hear Mo, 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 Mo. And it's <laughs> it's Bert, who's wide open, who very justifiably was calling for the puck. But the moment Mo Sider's protect the puck with his body move worked, and he was able to wheel further up the boards and get around the, the Buffalo player. And then... Both of them were wrong just a little bit. The goalie hugged the post too much and the defenseman committed to cutting off the pass a little too early and aggressively. And the combination of those two things opened up that side of the net, which I think a lot of players like proficient goal scorers would have picked that shot too. But Mo Sider with his 45 foot stick, it looked so seamless and easily easy. Just that whole sequence was, man, that would be how Mo Sider is going to score his first NHL goal. Most defensemen's first NHL goals are like clappers through traffic and you're never fully sure if it was really theirs or not. Yeah. And it's like in a 3-1 game or like three minutes into the first period. Nope, Mo Sider. Just uh, ripping cheese in overtime. Just, you know, casually. Scores, immediate tongue out, celebrating. Bertuzzi right away goes to get the puck. The whole team's going nuts. Um, Man, I was actually – I had people over. I was celebrating – my birthday, which for those who are wondering, Evan did remember with an hour and 50 minutes left <laughs> in the day, I was very upset. I thought I had him. Brad followed all the rules. He did text me in the morning instead of the messenger chat. 
Google saved you. God bless technology. Thanks for nothing. <laughs> I sold all my alphabet stock after that. Smart. All, Smart. all one. <laughs> all, all half yeah. share I had. Um, yeah, and I was like fist pump. I was punching the air in a good way. Um, that game, man. That was a weird game. All the the ending covered up a lot of just general weirdness in that game. You said it well. The Red Wings were getting pummeled or like dominated for good portions of that game. And realistically, if this was in last season or the season before, that game would have been out of control. The Red Wings would have lost. It would have just been a snooze fest. But this version of the Red Wings, which has almost league leading Tyler Bertuzzi in goals and Lucas Raymond and Moritz Sider bring this team back into play and they win. Going into the game against Vegas today, Tyler Bertuzzi and Lucas Raymond were tied for 12th in league scoring. Yeah. I think Bertuzzi shoots up to third in goals and like fifth in points or something. Raymond had another goal. So he's, he's up another notch. Yep. What a time to be alive. Uh, Bertuzzi's goal. How many people, how many defenders souls are, is he going to steal? Just the inside out and then the finish. He's not even going fast when he does it. That's no. what makes it amazing. Tyler Bertuzzi is fifth in the league in points. Yeah. And he hasn't played three games. No. I'm this guy's contract. If he does that this season and next, depending on how long he's a Red Wing, I don't know. <laughs> His next contract's gonna be interesting, man. Oh, he is yeah. third in the league in goals. I, I, for his sake, I hope, I mean, it's fun as hell. That's why I hope he keeps it up and it's great for Red Wings hockey. But for his sake, like he's betting on himself for that next contract and it is going to be a hefty payday. He has one more goal than Connor McDavid. Who? Yeah, exactly. Don't even know him. Scrub. <laughs> Connor McDavid, who just scored one of the greatest goals I've seen in hey, my entire not e- life. He's not even leading the league in scoring. He's in nobody. He's, isn't he second on his team in points? He's second on his team in points. How good could you be? Although it might actually be. I don't know. McDavid might be leading. No, no, it's Dreisaitl. Leading him by one point. Yeah. Um, Raymond with a casual three assist game. Bertuzzi with his second four point game of the year. Mo Sider with his first ever NHL goal. And we haven't even mentioned the Red Wings' best player that game. Alex Nedeljkovic. Alex Nedeljkovic. Who has. He wasn't bad to start the season, but he had a couple games where you're like, yeah, this guy's getting adjusted to playing behind the Detroit Red Wings defense, TM. Um, and he's really come into form since then. His numbers have shot up. He's above 900 in save percentage, and he has looked rock solid a lot of nights. Grice has had a few stinkers here and there. Tonight's win against Vegas, he was very, very good. Yeah, um, especially in the last five minute, four minutes when Vegas pulled their goalie. Yeah, so I, I think both goalies are playing really well, but I think it's really worth noting how good Nadelkovic is. And shouldn't be surprised because obviously he's incredibly talented, nearly won the Calder last year. Um but no, he's done well. Is there a chance for him to get the Calder this year? Yeah. He's playing really well. There, It's not out of the realm of possibility right now that the Calder is Raymond Sider Nadelkovic. That would be so funny. Bowen Byram's doing his best to throw a huge wrench into that. But he is. But yes. still, out of all rookie goalies, is there any playing better than Nadelkovic? I don't know. I don't I, pay attention to other rookie goalies. Abby I, has a very strong opinion on the matter. I know. I love Abby, the my dog, uh, not the former Red Wing, loves Brad and Evan a lot because they come over. Uh, she loves Evan because Evan is – he's not not a dog person, but he's not like get on the floor, roll around with the dog person. And she senses that. So she yearns for his love because it's super high value. 
So that is very true. You were rubbing her belly within a second of being in the door today. I was just going to give her regular pets, and then she just literally... F- f- it was either I adjusted and allowed for the belly pets, or she broke my leg in three places. Yeah, well, she's 100 pounds. Yeah. So heading into the Buffalo game, we got the word that Dylan Larkin was indeed on the ice for warm-ups, um, which meant... And also Gustav Lindstrom was activated from IR, which meant Joe Valeno's time in detroit the uh, vegas game you mean what did i say buffalo ah you know what man what am i even here for i honestly don't know what i'm good for the vegas game um which was a couple hours ago when it started so larkin slots back in um valeno goes out and we'll talk about valeno in a second but a quick note on dylan larkin um he was met he left the team and wasn't playing for a week or so. And the team announced that it was due to personal reasons. A lot of people asked and asked if there were updates. And look, there's not anyone in this league that I know is that's more competitive than Dylan Larkin. And when the team announces it as personal reasons, that doesn't get announced in hockey unless it's personal. If it's an injury that they're hiding, they just won't say anything or they'll be coy about it. Or if it's COVID protocol, they actually have to say COVID protocol now. They said personal reasons. It was personal reasons. We were never going to speculate on that. Plain and simple. There were a lot of shitty takes online about it. Not going to give them the the, the airtime or the dignity of a response here. But personal reasons means that's it. Larkin would not be leaving the team unless it was something that warranted being more important than hockey. And uh, he said in the post game today that it was a family emergency and he asked that everyone respect his family's privacy. So that's that entire discussion wrapped up, sealed. There's no questions after that. Um, okay, Joe Valeno being sent down. Initial thoughts, reactions, rude remarks. It's bound to happen. That's what I figured too. It's like he's had, he had good flashes and he had games where I was like, yeah, well, hasn't looked great. He looked good mostly he did he did look good I, I still think he's nhl caliber but i think this is a waiver eligibility thing it's a thousand percent just a waiver eligibility thing and a, maybe a development thing might be overthinking it but he was running the second line for a good chunk of the buffalo game and and there were more than a few moments they look good especially in the last 10 minutes so actually up till those last 10 minutes they were probably the red wings best line um I don't like it, but I get it, and I'm not mad about it. Mm-hmm. It's just I, I forget someone on Twitter sent like, "Hey, how many Red Wings forwards would you be comfortable waving to keep Valeno on this roster?" And like the most common, almost every answer I seen was between five and seven, which pretty much gives you an indication of where the depth that this team is at still, and just how good Valeno was playing in his look. So, if the Red Wings were missing Pew Suter and or Robbie Fabry. I would say if there's no one really to play that second line center role, I would be a lot more annoyed. But Pew Suter is actually looking really good. That's one thing we haven't mentioned too much. He's really heated up and gotten comfortable. Um, so I think it is a development thing. Send him down. Bergeron's doing well down there. The entire Grand Rapids Griffins um, are clicking and having him be a part of that and getting those minutes is good. The Buffalo game was great because he was able to center that second line, but Larkin back in. He was centering that. uh, Valeno was centering the second line, and Suter was centering the first line, right? 
Yeah, for the most part. I think Valeno started on the third line, but he got promoted as the game went on. It moved around a bit. And at one point he did start, he centered the first line, but it was like for a shift. <laughs> I got excited. I was like, damn. Um, but yeah, he'll he'll get the minutes in Grand Rapids. He will eventually be a permanent fixture on this team. I think, you know, if Michael Rasmussen wasn't, uh, if he was waiver exempt, then I would say that would be an easy decision as to who to send down. But that's just not the situation we're dealing with. So I know there's a lot of, why not get rid of Rasmussen? That would be waiving him. And I have a lot of feelings about Rasmussen and how he's being deployed. My solution is stick him on the fourth, maybe third line, mostly fourth line, maximize his defensive zone impacts, and he has to build strength before he can do the kind of things he can do the kind of things offensively that he wants to do. But anyways, yeah, Joe Valeno didn't slot into the Vegas game. He had um, notable moments in his his first little stint with the Red Wings. Anyways, let's talk about the Vegas game. That was fun. It was fun. That was fun. Jack Eichel invisible. Thank you. What a waste. Yeah, that was the shittiest. That was the lamest joke I made on Twitter all day by far. You made that joke on Twitter? Yeah. Oh, I thought you were just intentionally copying me. No, but you're welcome. That is the most sincere form of flattery. He, he came here from true. his hot tub. Do you think he even glanced at Twitter before he got here? <laughs> no, no, not at all. Yeah, so the Red Wings prevailed 5-2 over uh, over Vegas. Uh, the game's scoring started with... Actually, it was Vegas who scored first, and then uh, Lucas Raymond on the power play is what brought things in for the Red Wings. Zadina to Bertuzzi to Raymond. Bertuzzi is like side net controlling that like really dangerous spot. I love that. Whenever if if a team wants to give Bertuzzi that space, you take that ten times out of ten, and look how it turned out. Good thing Alec Martinez can't play defense. <laughs> they pay him a lot of money to do it. So thank God. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Zadina to Bertuzzi to Raymond for the tying goal to make it one-one. Raymond stays hot. That was the sixth goal of the year as a rookie. And he's like, so we were used to him being on the the right wall, but him on that left side, like just at the dots, man, he's converting there. Yeah, he's one of the few Red Wings who can take a one-timer. It's fantastic. <laughs> Imagine playing in the highest professional league in your sport and you struggled to take a one-timer as a pro athlete. There have been a lot of whiffs. <laughs> there have been a lot of one-time whiffs. I get it. It's not as easy as it's made out to be to like rip a one-timer, but... Come on. <laughs> There's been quite a bit. It's for that level, it's very easy to connect on a one timer. Very, very hard to aim mm-hmm. a one timer, which is what makes Ovechkin so special. The fact that he can pinpoint a lot of the time like he can. But yeah, the Red Wings seem to be significantly below league average at that. Uh, Robbie Fabry followed that up literally two minutes later with his own power play goal from Letty and Suter. Again, another point for Suter there. Um, and then Suter added to that total to make it 3-1 with a really nice snipe over the shoulder of the, the Vegas goaltender. Bro- uh, Brassois? Laurent Brassois. Brassois. Um, and then <laughs> there was actually the point in this game where Moritz Sider had that anticipation I was talking about earlier to break up a play, created a scoring chance, and pretty much fired the puck across the red line just to just barely miss out on his second career goal and his reaction. He looked like he could have died on the ice. He was so upset about it. Where that puck landed and it was on his backhand, he was kind of stuck in no man's land and he he tried to rush it Mm -hmm. because the correct play there would have been to 
take a second and stick handle it. But when you're in the crease with an empty net, you just assume someone's about to tomahawk your stick. And Vegas was so to position there was nobody to do that. So Sider could have corralled it if he wanted to. And he, he rushed it and yeah. put it right through the crease. Raymond had another moment too, where he was like, it was the almost buried it. It was a quality chance, like great feed from Larkin and Raymond. It was very smart play. Actually, it wasn't quite a deke, but the way he intentionally received the pass deep like deep into his body to yeah. move around the defender behind him and brought it in. Yeah. It was really clever. Um, and then was basically in on the goalie, no bend between them and try to cheeky little tuck opposite post or five hole, whichever one, but Brassois was set for it. I was like, Mickey was right on the call. He's like, you have to just fire that. But man, if that one, if in, that goes in, <laughs> oh, that's an all timer. You throw the soft toss in there and it goes in. That's Lulu an all timer. Yeah. Bye, bye, bye. <laughs> yeah. That like, I still watch the Datsuk floater over. Um, oh, what goalie did he Niami. do that? Yeah. Niami in Chicago. I watch that once a day. That's like my lunchtime ritual. So if, if he hit that, yeah. So he almost actually had a two goal game. Um, and then Nemesnikov added to that total. And then Bertuzzi um, had the empty net goal for his ninth of the year. Good for third in the league in the NHL. And the Detroit Red Wings take down the Vegas Golden Knights. Man, even on their bad games like Buffalo, where they had a lot of bad stretches, even on the bad game against Boston, where they just got completely stomped. And then obviously this game being a good one, there was a win. There's ex- exciting moments in all of them. Well, this is a really this week as a whole is a really good indiv- indication where the Red Wings are at. Last year, basically the entire team sucked, top to bottom. It was players, not lines. It was team efforts, not positional. This year, you can tell the top of this team is there. The Red Wings top line: Larkin, Bertuzzi, Raymond. Even when Larkin's not there, when it was Suter last game, they they still found ways to dominate um, a good stretch of that game. Obviously with Larkin back tonight, it was good. Um, Suter, Zadina, Fabry were fantastic tonight. Yeah. The depth is really important. They had a really, really good game. Um, and even in the Boston game, the the very few moments they had came from the top line, mostly Raymond in that game. So, and on defense, you know, Letty Sider can punch with the best of them. Mm-hmm. So that is something they didn't have last year where the top of the lineup is legitimately keeping up with the top of the NHL. The depth is still a big problem on this team. Yep. You can tell for even if it's just for a period where the top line or the top defense pairing isn't clicking, it all goes to shit. It There is like Nemesnikov had that bank shot today, which is great, but that bottom six struggles constantly ernie hasn't looked quite up to last year gagne has six points in his last seven games which is amazing because he's been completely invisible in what i've been watching um mitchell stevens has his moments he looks pretty good and the rest is just bad like giovanni smith isn't doing anything michael rasmussen is actually a drag on this team it's it's Painful, especially on the defense. Mark Stahl isn't quite living up to last year's expectations. DeKaiser, we all know his body's just completely failing him at this point. And, you know, the other, Osterley, Lindstrom, they're whatever, they're guys. Um, so they can't really drive offense or drive 
play out of their zone regularly and and so they get buried a lot. So this is where we're at in the rebuild where you can you start to see the the main pieces coming together but there's still a lot like a yeah. lot of work to do. Um cuz even if, you know, hypothetically Valeno, Shane Wright and Simon Edmondson come next year and all hit team's still going to have the same problem. Less so because you're going to have a healthy Verona and then you're going to have those three players, but it's still Right now, there's, you know, nine to 10 players every night are a drag on the team, and you're not replacing nine to 10 players in a season, right? But that's the easy part to fix. That's where you go into free agency and find the Nick Beninos and the Cali Yarn Crocs and, and the guys to fill out the roster to give you value Blake Coleman's, Barclay Goudreau's, whatever it's going to be. Because I sent a tweet about it, and this is the most important and the ultimate point I'm trying to make here. Year after year, when the Red Wings were getting screwed in the draft lottery and we're saying, man, it is hard to find stars outside of the top two to three picks. You maybe get two to three per draft outside of like the very, very tippy top of the draft. Yeah. And the Red Wings, yeah, okay, well, it, it sucks, but they got to find them because the draft lottery is not going to save them. They've very clearly got two. And we, we said that over and over again, you have to hit on one or two of them. Lucas Raymond looks like a star. Mort Sider looks like a star. If like I'm not talking top of the lineup players, like these are going to be guys who are going to be near the top of their league at their position for the next ten years. Yeah, when we when we talked about the difficulty in the long road ahead for the Red Wings, it was predicated upon the fact that it's hard to find stars, especially if you're not drafting first overall. So yes, excited about Lucas Raymond. And yes, despite like initial shock, like Moritz Sider was developing very well in Germany and then in Sweden. Um, it, there was still a long way to go before there was a guarantee that either of those guys would be stars. And even then that typically takes a long time. What we're seeing right now isn't unique for Red Wings rookies. What we're seeing right now is unique for rookies, period. Yeah, you might see it every year, but think about it. Like one in 32 teams have this. Actually, very- like have one of them. Yes. Very- have one. Like, oh, yeah. The, last year, the Dallas Stars really hit on a rookie with Jason Robertson. And he was having a huge year. That that, that was the one because I'm not counting Kaprizov because he's a thousand years old. Yes. Like the year before that, who was it? There was one or two guys going for the Calder. This year, the Red Wings have two of them. Like it's they're battling out to the point where Nadelkovich won't even be in the conversation. <laughs> no, yeah. We're I, I understand we're like fifteen percent of the way into the season and it's a very small sample size. But like if the NHL season ended today, the Calder voting ends Lucas Raymond, Mo Sider, one, two in either order, and nobody's even in the conversation. Yep. You know, Bowen Byram's been on a, a pretty good tear the last couple of weeks, so he's definitely making it in- interesting, but he hasn't caught up to them yet. So it's the larger point is perfect that, storm. Yeah, the larger point is that this was a perfect storm. Credit to Steve Eisenman, credit to Chris Draper and his scouting team. Um, credit to the Wing Wheel Podcast for really championing that Lucas Raymond pick. They listened to us, which is a wash because of our uh, initial reactions to the cider pick. Yep, <laughs> it's fine. Um, but yeah, now if you want to know where this team is at, the reason why we're saying probably still not like a bona fide playoff team is because okay, you got the top end figured out, and that is the hard part. Um, whenever anything goes wrong, injuries off game, the other team game plans hard against them. The depth needs to show up border restrictions, border restrictions. Um, 
And just like you want proof of that, here's the positive. Here's the inverse. Pew Suter, Robbie Fabry, et cetera, they all, they all showed up today, and this was a clear Red Wings win. So games where Red Wings secondary scoring shows up, you're also bound to get one or two Larkin, Bertuzzi, Raymond goals. That's a Red Wings win right there. They're getting close. That's that's the tagline to this long, drawn out, things are great and holy shit, we don't know how to be happy conversation is things are looking up and we are seeing the little trail of it. We're still going to get the Boston games. We're still going to get a lot of the Buffalo games. Still a lot of work to do because we still don't have that that center the team desperately needs. They still don't. We've got three unrestricted free agents on the left side of the defense this offseason. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying because the, this season's going the way it is that next season the Red Wings are guaranteed to make the playoffs. No, it's still unlikely. But the biggest thing we have been preaching for what feels like the entire length of this podcast is to successfully rebuild, you have to get stars, borderline superstars. And the draft lottery is not helping you. So you got to pray you get lucky once or twice in the draft and you know it's it's luck and skill but to get a number one defenseman and a number one right winger uh like back-to-back drafts outside of the top three picks is a tidy piece of business and it's funny too because especially with most cider it feels like every half of a season that elapses there's a referendum on how good he is and it's always up a half like- season yeah, so like oh, okay. we'll start the season. We'll be like, yeah, man, he looks like he could be a really good number three in this league. Half a season goes by. I think this guy's got a number two who can maybe play on the second power play unit. End of the season, guys. There's there's an outside chance he could be a number one to the start of like early in this season. Oh yeah, he's a number one defenseman in the NHL, and, and he looks perfectly comfortable keeping play one. It's like whatever we shift our expectations to, no matter how high they are, he's just like, no, you're wrong, and and gets even better. That is correct. <laughs> you didn't have a chance to get in there at any point. Well, it's because it's true. <laughs> You're just going to outright agree with Brad? That's boring, man. For now, I suppose. Yeah. Yes, um, please please shit all over our hopes and dreams. The Bye, You asshole. You met me? <laughs> Fair. So the Red Wings finished up uh, against Vegas, which means they have uh, a little break. They're not playing Monday night. They had the back-to-back over the weekend. Uh, coming up before next podcast, I believe there's just the one game. There's two games. Uh, there's one game, and it's against Connor McDavid's Edmonton Oilers, and then we'll be back with you on Wednesday. Oh, no. Well, I mean, Bertuzzi scored a Connor McDavid-style goal, and Lucas Raymond is you know, our own person. No, I'm kidding. Let's yeah. not go too far. Because it was it – was, Edmonton's funny this season because everybody went into the season and goes, yes, you have McDavid and Drysaddle. That's great. But holy shit, is your defense and goaltending bad? And so far this season, holy shit, is their defense and goaltending bad? But they're scoring six goals a game, so it doesn't matter. Yeah. It doesn't – literally, that game against the Rangers, I was like, Egh. anytime it's in Edmonton's zone, I'm like, what are you guys doing? But it turns out Connor McDavid can just decide when to score. Yeah. Can we talk about that goal for just like one minute here? Hold on, I'm going to I'm going to say what the Red Wings game plan needs to be and then we'll talk about the goal. Cuz if the Red Wings game plan is to try and stop and or contain Connor McDavid, it's the wrong game plan. You can't throw everything at the offense and just try and outscore him. The Red Wings can actually do that now with their top line where they can score a lot of goals. I want this needs to be a 9-8 game or they don't have a chance. <laughs> it's it has to be like those fights where both guys are standing, nobody's trying to grab the jerseys or tie up the arms. It's just blow blow for blow until the one guy gets knocked out or gets tired, like shots to the face. If the Red Wings go four forwards one day all game, like I'm 
I'm for it. <laughs> you may as well. It's going to be a tough night for some defensemen on this team. The, yeah. They they need to recall Calvin Pickard to take this bullet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm just hoping it's not Moritz Sider on any highlights. If we walk away without Moritz Sider on a Connor McDavid highlight reel. That's a win. That's a that's two points in the win column. Um yeah, the, the the goal. The goal cuts across the blue line and just decides, yeah, four defenders is one less than five. I'm going to go through literally all of them. I've had a lot of people tell me that was bad defense. Sure. Let me tell you something. Bad defense is usually caused by a player doing something that the defenders are like panic about. Uh, Connor McDavid, how quick, how fast he got to top speed and the things he's able to do stick handling at top speed. That's why they do dumb shit on defense, like not take the body. Everyone's saying just take the body. Yeah, they know that. And they do that most of the time when they don't have someone coming in at the speed of the flash at them, stick handling through all of them and undressing every single ranger on the way and the goalie. And also, if you are a good player, it means you take advantage of mistakes. That was one of the greatest goals I've seen in my entire life. It's not just what he physically did. We make fun of on, of hockey players on this pod, podcast for being idiot meatheads. But when it actually comes to NHL Us players. primarily. Yeah. When it comes to NHL players on the ice, these are the smartest hockey players on the planet. That's why they're there. They, the game of hockey, to even be a fourth line plug in the NHL, you like are have to be reading the play two steps ahead because mm-hmm. every everything happens so fast fans who have never like i hate the whole you got to play the game thing because it's stupid and everybody should be but like unless you've been on the ice with high level hockey players you don't understand how fast they're moving out there so a lot of what you're doing is relying on anticipation and what are the possible outcomes of what this player is going to do i promise you all four of those Rangers defensemen who were in the middle of the ice. It's not like they were outside the dots. They're like, yeah, we have a good four-man box. We got them to regroup in the neutral zone. We have neutralized this situation very well. We're not expecting him to be walking the blue line laterally, look to his right, see four players there and go, yeah, I think I can do this. By the time he was in the middle of the four of them, at least three of them had no idea he was there because it was just they were – probably so caught off guard that he yeah. even attempted it. They didn't know how to react. And then poor Patrick Nemeth was the one he zeroed in on. And just that's where the physical gifts just absolutely clowned him. Like, what do you do there? What, like, what do you do there? You can't, you try to play the body. He, you can't touch him. He's already passed you. I loved Leon Drysettle just backing off because he knew what was going to happen. Oh yeah, he when by the time McDavid scored that goal, Drysettle's stick was at his hips, yeah, just like, like floating in. Yep, here we go. <laughs> he, he knew what was coming. <laughs> um, yeah, no, the watching Connor McDavid in his prime, I understand. It, it annoys me that we're not watching more Connor McDavid like winning cups on his own or like. Like, further into the playoffs and that's that pisses me off like hey the season is young yeah screw you edmonton for not doing that well enough to justify having him on your team but right now we are hockey gets better players get better every year so you know if you pit someone from right now against you know an all-time great from the 40s someone right now will would skate circles around them and make them look like they're playing a different sport. That's why you don't, you compare based on era and their peers. Oh yeah. I've made the joke before you put Darren Helm as he is right now into the 1980s and he scores 80 goals, but 
still, I we are watching one of the most talented players of all time right now in his oh, prime. Connor McDavid, like the overall conversation of greatest hockey player of all time is who was the best relative to their competition at the time, which is why Gretzky Lemieux or how will always be the goats because like, you know, Gretzky was putting up 215 points, mm-hmm. which it's the eighties. So obviously scoring was way up, but nobody else was other than Lemieux was breaking 150 at the time. Like he was winning scoring races by 60 points in terms of just hockey, pure skill in a bubble. Connor McDavid's the greatest hockey player in the history of the sport. Nobody in the history of hockey has been able to do what Connor McDavid can do. No. Now, because of the athletic profile of your average NHL or now the gap between him and like Nathan McKinnon is not what it was to Gretzky versus let's say Steve Eisenman in the day. But yeah, just in, in terms of raw hockey ability, we are witnessing the greatest player in the history of the sport. I guess you guys have not watched Mark Stahl play hockey. Oh, man. oh my God. Yeah. I was a little offended earlier when you're like, Mark Stahl's not living up to last year. He's the only reason I tune into games. He's only Mark he- Vegas. Stalled. Oh, they'd be so lucky to have him. He's actually he actually rates out pretty well. And if you look at his game score, he's all right. He, yeah. But last year he was trying shit. He's not trying shit this year. He doesn't have to. <laughs> yeah, fair. Outsider doesn't fair. <laughs> um, okay, the Jack Eichel trade. Let's uh, chat about it here. So in the late late hours, uh, the Jack Eichel trade came through finally. Buffalo ended up dealing with the Vegas Golden Knights. Um, who are the one of the teams on the proverbial one yard line? So ended up being Jack Eichel in a conditional third round pick, um, in exchange for Alex Tuck, Peyton Krebs, a 2022 conditional first. And the condition is that it's a top 10 protected pick. If that pick is in the top 10, it moves next year in a conditional second. Um, and if the condition on the second has to do with the condition on the first, because the, the second round picks is 2023. Anyways, so a first, a second, Alex Tuck and Peyton Krebs for Jack Eichel and a third. I think it's a far cry from the rumors that were happening at the 11th hour that included Kachuk on the Calgary end, that included both Krebs and Shea Theodore from the Vegas end. Um, my take is that it's not a bad haul for Buffalo. I think this late in the game, and with the uncertainty of the surgery, they walked away with Alex Tuck and they walked away with Peyton Krebs and they still get a first. It's top 10 protected, which I think is not great, but still. Um, I think that's not bad. If Jack Eichel gets healthy, this disc replacement goes well and Vegas gets a fully healthy prime Jack Eichel. I, I will have a hard time not seeing Vegas as the clear, clear winners. This is worth it in every way for the Vegas Golden Knights. McCrimmon deserves credit for pulling this off. He didn't pay. A, it was a steep price for sure, but I think they come out ahead as long as the risk pays off. Yep. I mean, Jack, I- people forget how good Jack Eichel is. A fully healthy Jack Eichel is a top five center in the world. Vegas's biggest hole as a team was they were lacking center depth, especially at the top. And the, when they got bounced from the playoffs last year, Chandler Stevenson was their number one center. They are going to be scary when Stone gets back and Eichel comes back and they're when they're going into the playoffs fully healthy. I mean, they're not what they are right now. They've got a lot of injuries. I mean, come on, they just lost to the Detroit Red Wings. But <laughs> I don't think Buffalo did bad here. I think they did better than I thought they would for how long they let this drag out. Yeah. Krebs is no joke. He he's not 
going to probably be a first line center. So they, they don't get, you know, quote unquote, the Eichel replacement. But Krebs put up comical numbers in his last year junior. He's put up good, really good numbers in the AHL. His brief NHL stint was a little uninspiring, but he was 19 coming off Achilles surgery, whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't want to put too much into that 13 game window because everywhere else he's been in the last couple of years, he's dominated. Um, but he's far from a guarantee. So Vegas can definitely afford to roll that dice. Alex Tuck's a tremendously underrated player. He's going to come in, play a huge role in Buffalo. I fully expect him to be a 50 to 70 point guy every year under this contract because he's only 25. So they're getting a lot of good years out of him. And then, you know, they get a first round pick in a year where Vegas is pretty banged up. So that's probably going to be closer to the middle of the first round than the top of the first round, unless they go on a run in the playoffs, which very strong likelihood, but it's a good bet for Buffalo. Because Vegas next year, they're going to have a full season of Mark Stone, full season of Jack Eichel. They're probably finishing a little higher in the standings. Yeah, that's fair. Um, so you just you hope that Stone and Eichel like really, really take their time healing up, and that Vegas slips in as a six, seven, eight seed, and then they get goalied in the first or second round. That's the best case for Buffalo right now. So. And it's a very, very deep draft. So if that pick ends up being somewhere, let's say 15 to 20, they're going to get really good, a really good player out of that. So yeah, I mean, they're not getting a superstar out of this trade. And when you lose a superstar, that stinks, but they're getting what should be three very, very good top of the lineup pieces as long, assuming they don't galaxy brain the draft pick. I think it was a good trade for everyone, really. Like, Jack Eichel gets what he wants, mm-hmm. and he gets his trade, and he gets the surgery he wants, and goes to a team that really wants him there. <clears throat> Vegas gets that f- number one center that they've been desperately looking for for since their inception. Um, and I think Buffalo gets kind of what they want, too. Like, um, Alex Tuck is from... Syracuse. Yeah, Syracuse. So, he's somewhat close to buffalo i guess american geography and he sounds like he legitimately wants to be there which i think buffalo as an organization are tired of having guys join the team and then leave in a year or two years like they finally have a guy who says he wants to be there and i think that's was super important to them in that trade um I think they did the right thing by sending Peyton Krebs down immediately. Yeah. Because it really cools off the, you're the Jack Eichel replacement. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. The guy who's sitting two rows from the, the top of the arena, um, who then yells on Twitter. Maybe that's, maybe that's us, but. Uh, <laughs> Are we the baddies? <laughs> so, you know, in terms of the holistic view from all perspectives, I think the trade worked out for everybody. I think the most important thing you noted there, Jack Eichel finally is able to have his surgery. Again, you don't know how it's going to go, but assuming it all goes well and Jack Eichel comes back to form, the I think the big hindsight is twenty twenty, but I still think his fair takeaway is going to be, hey, Buffalo, if you hadn't acted so emotionally because it turns out that the trade request from a year prior did actually happen, and so maybe that's why they weren't so flexible on Jack Eichel wanting a different surgery and they played hardball with him. Had they not been so staunch about that and done a little bit more, you know, looking into it and talking to the doctors that Jack Eichel eventually talked to, which 
you know, according to um, thing Freed reported, it was NHL approved. He was like, yeah, the disc replacement is like, it's solid. It's a good alternative. They'd done that before. Jack Eichel's healthy for the start of the season. And they say, hey, Jack, we don't have a deal yet. Can you just go out there and play? We promise we're looking for one. I think they get a bigger haul than this. I don't I don't think it's a bad haul. This isn't a failure by uh, by Kevin Adams. It's not a failure by Buffalo. Again, you both highlighted there's really good reasons to like those guys. But Jack Eichel would have been a first overall pick if he wasn't drafted in the same year as the greatest player of his generation. So I, I just think superstars like that should have an insane bar to clear. And Vegas brought it down to a stomachable return. That's sort of the double-edged sword with emotionally and financially invested owners, right? Mm. Like, it's nice having an emotionally invested owner because they actually care about the team and it's not just a, a play thing that they have because they don't know what else to do with their money. But it's also bad because when the face of your franchise, you know, Miss like the guy who's supposed to represent U.S. hockey in a hockey crazed state is the f- part of this team, and he requests a trade. Well, I'm sure the Pagulas took that as a very personal thing, and a very they had a very emotional response, yeah, and tried to block it as much as they could, and thus reducing the return on Jack Eichel if they traded him earlier. So it's a double edged sword, but uh, you know, I I honestly can't blame owners who 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 feel that way when their best player that's come through the team in a long time feels that way or requests a trade if i'm paying a guy 80 million bucks i'd be pissed off too if all of a sudden he wants out granted and this is coming from me believe it or not not a billionaire so i don't have the (laughs) i'm not biased here and i have zero actual perspective but i would do a little bit maybe of internal soul searching to think hey why is this organization that i'm running driving superstars away but that's just that's just maybe don't give people 80 million dollars if you think they're going to Leave. Leave. Yeah. Well, you also got to wonder, did they do long-term damage to this franchise? Because players around the league saw this. Mm-hmm. They're like, I. what if I go there and I get injured? What if... Yeah, this is Jack Eichel who got injured. It wasn't some third-line yeah. guy trying to stay on the team. Carter Rowney, you got injured in Buffalo, buddy. You're lucky you'd even go under the knife. They, yeah. they, they could not even accommodate their, franch- their captain's health request. If I'm a player looking at that and I'm on, like putting together a no trade list or I'm on a free agent. Oh, there's no doubt in my mind right now. I'm scratching off Buffalo. No chance. Like I like Buffalo, the city, obviously for obvious reasons, but really even after today, I hate a lot of people in that organization. Oh, that's why the football talk's been less. Yeah. They lost to one of the worst teams in the NFL and, and just an absolutely unwatchable game. But anyways, they lost to the Ryan of NFL teams, the lions. (laughs) Wow. You know, wow. That's hurtful. Actually. (laughs) <laughs> I, tried I know to go, nothing about football. So I could have meant literally nothing. But anyway, so that, that was my way of like basically not insulting Buffalo before I insult Buffalo. It's not a destination city. People are not signing in Buffalo for the same reasons they would sign in Anaheim, San Jose, New York, you know, Tampa Bay, Florida, LA. Winnipeg. <laughs> yeah. So, so teams like that no obviously airport. are going to struggle <clears throat> to lure big name players to keep superstar players, man, you're taking one of the smaller ships and throwing a big anchor on it now. So, you know, Buffalo's got one of the best fan bases in the world. You look at any TV rating from any major hockey event, even if the Sabres aren't in it, Buffalo's one of the best viewing demographics. So we buy a lot of jerseys too. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, the good thing for them is with Peyton Krebs, who else they got? Jack Quinn, JJ Paterka, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. 
Like, hopefully with them, if they develop into true NHL players, this instance down the... It, it's not going to be immediate. It's going to take a long time for players to forget yeah. about this and probably a rewrite of the CBA to uh, <laughs> to really fix it. Um, it's going to take Buffalo a long time, but I think with, if those players turn into everyday players and you know, are exciting to watch. Oh, and power. Yeah. It'll help sort of reestablish themselves as a place players may be willing to go to. It's amazing how many things winning can cure. Yeah. That's the thing. Not every city needs to be a destination city, but if you don't have the legitimate geographic draw that LA or the Rangers or whoever have think of like every single free agent we've talked about LA or New York being a, a major draw for them. And New York is literally just coming out of a rebuild now. And LA has, been in a weird sucky purgatory for a little while but they still are the big draws if you're not one of those cities you kind of need to be doing things well enough to draw those people in so yeah let's be honest detroit's not a destination city but it's been a destination franchise for decades because they won because it's run well and that went away with towards the end of babcock's tenure but yeah yeah now that eiserman's there teams are like players good ownership Mm -hmm. yep so yeah, it's totally right. I, I hope the biggest point you made there, Brad, those fans do deserve better. They're they're rabid for hockey, and I just have so much love and admiration for any fan base who just loves the sport of hockey like that so unconditionally. Like, they'll watch – whenever you look at cup finals TV ratings, it's always Buffalo is up there, and it was like the it's, – It's the home team, the away team, Buffalo. Sometimes Buffalo beats – one of the other teams, depending on the size yeah. of the market. Like, I think when Nashville was in the cup finals, Buffalo beat them out for TV viewership at a couple points. <laughs> yeah, that's um, crazy. Anyways, so that deal is finally done. Um, much like the Carlson deal of old, this is going to take a long time to really see who won, who lost. But for now, it looks like every party involved got a little bit of what they wanted. And that's good. I think. Who knows? Detroit wasn't involved, so whatever. Yet, Vegas still has to make cap room when he comes off. They do, and we'll be having that conversation eventually. Um, okay, let's jump into it. We talked about all the games. We talked about Mo Sider's incredible first goal. We talked about Lucas Raymond staying hot. Bertuzzi near the top of the league in points, goals. Um, Pew Suter is heating up. Nadelkovic was great. Anything else that we missed Red Wings-wise that we want to cover here before we jump into overtime? Matthew Kachuk, once again goes between the legs oh god it's not even you know wait it's it's almost not even noteworthy anymore i will never i'll never not lose my mind at tweener goals like just i could never pull that off unless for some reason my stick randomly was between my legs (laughs) somehow and i was just i blacked out for a second yeah yeah that's it unless i was in the process of falling and tripping over my own stick and accidentally pushed the puck forward could i ever pull one of those failing successfully is the only way i'd make it work this guy's looking at me right now about to say i've done one before i can see it on his stupid okay cool (laughs) i would have punched you uh i have to say hearing brad breathless because he's rocking a cough right now he tested negative folks we did test before recording um it's a little sad it's like watching like uh, those nature videos where like the gazelle can't escape the line, and you're like, "Oh man, this is like you were rooting for the line until the line got the gazelle." You're like, yeah, "Was it really worth it?" No, we say, "Shut up, Brad," but at what cost? Yes, at what cost? You've had to, you've had to pull the episode, Ryan. What's that? You've had to pull extra weight this episode. No, I haven't. You still talked plenty. You just out of breath. Evan, yeah. 
Evan just it's it's the weirdest cold too because it's like no throat, no stuffy nose, not nothing, no itchy eyes. It's just all chest. Yeah, has nothing to do with the fact that you ate entire uh, sticks of kebab like um, sticks and all earlier in my kitchen. Just chewed up the whole thing. Yeah, why take pieces off? While we're talking about stupid things like that, it reminded <laughs> me of my buddy who's never used a Brita. Like one of the Britas, you put the water in, the water goes through, and then you put it back in your fridge. Yeah, he's standing over my kitchen sink with the water running and it's going up over the top falling down the side and i'm just <laughs> for five seconds i just look at this idiot and i'm like do you not know how to use one of those and he just says no <laughs> and he just puts it down <laughs> oh yeah that uh, reminded me of that one of my best friends uh when we were in undergrad together i had a kettle an electric kettle yep. just to heat up water and we had a colossal like costco sized tub of hot chocolate powder and uh i usually made the hot chocolate and then one time i think we were playing chell and he was like oh um i'll make it because i was playing an online game i was like okay cool and he was like how many scoops do you usually put in i was like uh, a couple tablespoons well, you know a couple tablespoons per cup he was like really and i was like yeah he's like okay and then I'll, i hear the kettle turn on and I don't really think much of it. And a couple seconds later, I'm like, oh, no. And I turn around and uh, he had the hot chocolate in the kettle itself. Uh, and it took so long to clean it out. Oh, God. Yeah. I have a buddy who puts the macaroni powder in the boiling water. No. Jail. <laughs> Immediately to jail. I I did that once by accident at three in the morning, very drunk while I was That's in college. That's excusable. Oh, no. Yeah. This is stone cold like, sober. It was one of those moments. I did it. I paused, I stared at it for like 30 seconds as the wheel turned and just went, shit. I literally just took it because <laughs> I had dogs at the time. This is how fucking lazy I was at this moment. I took the pot, went into the backyard, fucking chucked it on the lawn and went to bed. Your friend does this intentionally. Did you uh, call the police? He he doesn't know any better. Was it within fifteen the last fifteen years? I would like to report this to the Federal Bureau of <laughs> maybe, Investigation. Maybe within the last five. Oh god. That's terrible. That's oh. actually the most insulting thing I've heard today. You earlier told me I was the Detroit Lions. <laughs> I actually podcast. still remember saying that. That's actually quite shocking. Yeah. Okay, we're off the rails, which means it's time uh for overtime. Uh before we get into overtime on this episode of the Winged Wheel Podcast, we just did uh a giveaway. We reached 10,000 followers on Twitter at Winged Wheel Pod. Um, thank you all so, 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 so very much. Um, we've been kind of eyeing it, wondering when that would happen. And we thought it would be like, hey, maybe next year. And you guys just blew us away with the amount of support that you've shown. So to everyone who's followed us on Twitter, thank you all so very much. Uh, part of that giveaway was a Moritz Cider jersey. And we announced the winner on Twitter earlier today. So go check it out. I believe the winner's name was Cody. I can't remember off the top of my head. But we did promise a Patreon exclusive giveaway to go alongside it. So patrons were automatically entered in the first one. And then they get their own Patreon exclusive giveaway. We've run it. Dan Waterby, congratulations. You win a Moritz Cider jersey. Home or away of your choice. Signed by Evan. Sign? No, absolutely not. I will not <laughs> sully. Uh, it will not. It will not cross Evan's hands. Although, if you bring it to the meetup and you want Evan to sign it, maybe we'll arrange. We'll make him sign it. You're just not allowed to sign the number. You can sign like the skirt of the jersey, somewhere yeah. where they can tuck it away. So, congratulations, Dan Waterby, uh, on winning that Moritz Cider jersey. Part of the 10K giveaway 
was uh, 10 shirts because we reached uh, the 10K number. We're going to give away 10 Winged Wheel podcast shirts. So stay tuned for that one on Twitter. All right. Uh, jumping into overtime here, let's get to some questions. Uh, Andres B says, no questions. I just think you guys are pretty swell. Hope you still think so after this episode. Um, thank you, Andres. Uh, Simon says, 27 says, uh, seeing how Eisenman does his own thing during drafting, if given the ability, do you think he would actually take Shane Wright? Is there no one from Fralunda? <laughs> um, I don't think there actually is. So yeah, he'll, he'll take Shane Wright. Uh, Josh Yelton says, what will be your go-to beer at the LCA on Saturday? Uh, the one that's in front of me. Yeah, I don't. I, I haven't. We haven't been to the arena in so long. What sixteen so dollar beer do I have for options there? They're eleven. They're less. I'm gonna go with whatever one I can guinea pig straight out of the tap without them noticing. <laughs> uh, Taylor F says, "Can you explain what some of the analytics mean, such as coursing expected goals?" We are gonna do an advanced analytic conversation soon. We're going to bring someone on and go into further detail. Um, Corsi, for example, is a an amalgamation or calculation of things like Corsi 4, which is made up of shots attempts, shot attempts four at even strength, which includes shots, blocks, and misses. And then there's a Corsi against, and then there's different calculations. So it's a little bit more nuanced, but it's not too hard to understand. So we will do that soon. Um, Matt Whip says, as a proud member of the Dub Dub Club, I am sad that Evan's broken phone case was not offered in a giveaway. <laughs> Would have hung that on my wall. I will bring that to the There's meetup. There's two pieces, so we can auction. It's like a Banksy. Yeah. Like that Banksy that was put through the shredder. Yeah, that's yeah, amazing. We got two pieces. Um, what's Soderblom's ceiling with his breakout year in the SHL? Middle six winger who plays first power play. Yeah, I'd be thrilled with that. I mean, we're talking ceiling. Yeah. Uh, Lonnie Zone says, I'm not sure what the bigger honor would be, Calder or runner-up, since the latter would join Stevie, Sergey, Lidstrom, and Zetterberg, and Howard. Pretty good company for a Red Wing. That is shocking we've had that many runners-up. When was the last winner? Like the 40s? Barrett Jackman beat Zetterberg, and I I hated that player for the rest of his career. I could not stand Barrett Jackman, and that made me so mad. Uh, Jake Kiefer says, I am trying to stay level-headed, but is Bertuzzi, based on last year's small sample and this year, becoming a top 50 player in the NHL? I mean, he's top 10 right now. <laughs> Who? Sorry? Bert. Dude. Yeah. The guy's... This isn't it's surprising. surprising. No, it's not. It's, it's not surprising. He was a top-line supporting player who is now entering star territory. Okay, yeah. <laughs> It's not out of the it, – it, this isn't like – Tyler Bertuzzi's never been a point-per-game player. When has Tyler Bertuzzi stayed healthy while Larkin stayed healthy and had another good player on his line? Right? Like, this is just – we've seen so many of the Red Wings. We haven't seen what they can actually do because they've not had a full hockey team to play with. Ah, uh, yes, because we expected Tyler Bertuzzi to be right in the, the stats race with Alex Ovechkin. and Yeah, <laughs> I know it's disappointing. He's behind slops like Ovechkin, but he'll – no. I agree. It, to this degree, yeah, that's surprising. The fact that he can do it, I don't think you can honestly say that it is insane. It's a little insane. It can It can be both. It can be both. It's insane. D-, D Larks says, uh, question for Brad. How old were your kids the first time you took them skating? Um, Hank just turned two. His first time is going to be as soon as public skating opens up around here. The only reason I haven't got him on the ice yet is because I physically haven't been able to because mm. there's nowhere to take him. Uh, Mika, I also got on the ice when she was two. 
It's also very difficult to find men's skates that fit a two-year-old. <laughs> um, there are size, use size six skates. Uh, I'm saying like, cause he's an animal and his oh, feet are massive. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's going into a, a senior size seven <laughs> and a half to start. Yeah. Usually you get to get those youth prices. No, not with him. Uh, Zero Rod- chance. Roger Crozier in, in 64 or 65. Last time a Red Wing won rookie yeah. of the year. Glenn I feel Hall. like that might change this year. I feel like that might change this year. Um, Give Blood Fight Probert says, hey, boys, uh, keep up the amazing work. Supposed uh, re- supposed Red Wings fans in the Twitter sphere that are questioning Larkin's heart and saying he doesn't deserve the C because he's away um, are peasants and I wish they would go away. There are people actually saying that. Yeah, that's they, why I have, they have not popped up in my timeline, and I'm appreciative of that. Come to the beer garden on on Saturday at uh, what time, Ryan? Yeah, around five five thirty. Yeah, we'll have a uh, we want we just want to talk. Yeah, <laughs> Patreon exclusive episode. <laughs> it's a Patreon exclusive conversation. Evan shows up in like the boxing shorts and robe, just yeah. ready to go. Evan Beckner says, "Is Tage Thompson the floor or ceiling for Soder Bloom?" That's a very clever question. Somewhere in the middle. Coward. Mike Franklin says, despite how fun this year is, I keep thinking about what the team could be in the future. I know that big uh, signing big contracts is a no-no, but we're going to have tons of space next season. Are there any significant pieces you'd like us to go after that would make a big difference? This upcoming free agency list doesn't inspire me. I'm in the world now where if the Red Wings can pull the trigger on a guy where they can get four of seven good years out of him, do it. I'm- I was all in the Barkov train because, yeah, same reasoning. I would I would have happily have done that, thrown the absolute world at him. But it, for me, it's not even about contract term length. It's just I don't love the free agency crop. There's not a lot of great options on there, which means their value will get overinflated. Um, ben Fincham says, greeting dub-dubs. Uh, I keep, from the last pod, I keep thinking about getting the Steve Eisenman's head and being John Malkovich fashion. Um, what moment, real or imagined, would you want to see? Mine is probably seeing him dealing with Druan in Tampa. Either way, you won't get dropped on the Lodge Freeway 3, or Lodge Freeway at 3 a.m. in this scenario. Thanks again. I don't know why, but my mind went to the exact same thing. Uh, gotta be a better one. Marty St. Louis. Yes. Those conversations. Yes. A thousand percent. Yes. Bill Nye, the thigh guy says cider is love. Cider is life. That is all boys. Bill Nye, the thigh guy. Always so eloquent and (laughs) well-spoken. Arjun Shanker says it is so nice to have faith in our front office that I genuinely don't care if we win the draft lottery anymore because I'm not convinced it matters. Here's a question for Evan and Brad since Ryan already knows the answer. What do Pavel Datsuk and uh, Jacob Verana Verana have in common? They've both scored on the backhand drag move in the short shootout. Uh, I have no idea. Uh, no, they both have the guitar pick head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. For the record, I wasn't wrong. They both had that, but <laughs> that's a better answer. Uh, Clint Banesh says, where's Mickey been? Uh, I've missed him alongside Ken these past few games. He doesn't always travel. So um, Ozzy takes over for those games. Um. Eric Sinkowski says, hired in some new people at work. One of them listens to the pod. Hello, Nathan. That is all. Hello, Nathan. Be good to Eric. He's good people. John Schultz says, don't know why this popped in my head, but I want to share. I tried finding a clip of this online, but it couldn't. Years ago on a national broadcast of the Wings against the Oats, which is a hysterical game to broadcast nationally. Um, it was, they had Shane Doan mic'd up. He chirped Abby with the following. 
how do you play on the line with Datsuk and Zetterberg and you only have eight points? <laughs> <laughs> Who'd they mic up? Who said that? That was Shane Doan. Oh. That was the one time I liked He doesn't even swear, so you know that that's a great No, he just yeah. doubles people in the head frequently. Yeah. Uh, also, come on, Abdulkader. See you in a week. Ruthless and Toothless says, that game last night made me hard. <laughs> Let's keep it going. Ramshackle is useless. Third man in says, seeing as Burt's vaccination status is so important to the team's performance and or his trade value, what is the substance you can get him to most readily agree to? N- nope. <laughs> nope. <laughs> <laughs> Do appreciate people having fun with it, but uh, <laughs> at the risk of my our mentions just turning to complete garbage. Um, Crabgrass says, are we playoff boys? No, but we'll flirt with it. Yeah, those those Montreal and Boston games were um, harsh reminders. Jeff Blashill's third period playbook says wings are in danger of being fun again. Time to make some boneheaded line changes or something to keep the stealth tank going. Uh, nothing, nothing says uh, that quite like Michael Rasmussen on the ice for three on three overtime. Yeah. Michael Berry says, Brad, how did the Bills lose to the Jags? Um. The Bills are the Leafs of the NFL, and I'll, I think that sums it up. Why do you? Why do we? Why do we care about so many Leafs analogs? I, because I hate it. Um, yeah, it wasn't good. It was not good. That was. That's why Brad's voice is so hoarse. Actually, he doesn't have a cough. He was just screaming and sobbing uncontrollably for six hours after that game. Today was one of the very few times I was grateful I had to work on a Sunday. Um, is there anything under the radar the fans should pay attention to when it comes to the wings? Under the radar? I don't know. I feel like we analyze everything to death, so. The things I talked about, the quiet parts of Sider's defensive game, I think his numbers will be dragged down a little bit based on his partner. Um, but he does do those things well, which project really well for a defenseman playing defense. The offense isn't a quiet part of his game. Um, the goalies. Look at the goalies. Nedeljkovic and Grice are, for the most part, keeping Red Wings in these games, and that's important. Uh, Babe Landis-Cog says, NHL- huh, Hold on, I got whatever Red Wings prospect ends up in Rogla. Because <laughs> yes. apparently that is the the rocket ship to the moon. Because, like, we were in a group chat with some friends of ours who are also Red Wings fans, and, like, two months ago, we were all just readily writing off William Wallander. Well, nope, nope, about that. Yeah. <laughs> Seven points in his last nine games as a defenseman at the top league in the SHL. Okay. Uh, Babe Landeskog says, uh, NHL players are past and present that you like slash respect that aren't or never played for the Red Wings. For me in the past, Gilbert Perrault, Stan Mikita, and Bobby Orr. For me in the present, Elvis Mers Lickens. Uh, for Elvis, I admire his play, but also his faith in, faith in humanity. He waved off Columbus scoring on the Rangers the other night so their goaltender could maintain the shutout. And more importantly... He truly stayed by his friend Kivy's side to the very end in the tragic events of this past summer. I ordered his uh, Canon jersey after reading his full story. It's very bittersweet, so be prepared to get emotional if you read it, but it's worth your time. Um, one of my favorite players of all time, never played for the Red Wings, and if you've listened to this podcast, I've talked about this before, but it's Pavel Bure. There was nobody when I was growing up watching hockey that was more fun to watch than Pavel Bure. Uh, one of the greatest goal scorers of all time, full stop. Uh, always really, really like Paul Correa. Uh, currently, he's he's in the midst of his decline, but uh, one of my favorite players in the NHL right now is Eric Carlson. Like prime Eric Carlson was an absolute treat to watch. Um, 
I really liked Holtby and Oshi. Like, I just liked those guys. I think Holtby was really funny to watch in net. Um, he was very calm, cool, and collected. And Marty St. Louis, that man could kill people with his thighs. I'll say Henrik Lundqvist. Yeah, easy guy to love. Uh, not Dylan Cousins says, good day, dud duds. It's quiz time for Cop Guy. Ryan, you're just the quiz master, and Cop Guy cannot answer until the end. I was born on the 3rd of December 1997 in Sweden and played for Fargestad BK before being drafted in the second round, 33rd overall by the Sabres. I came to the US a day and played for the Rochester Americans before making my debut for the Sabres in the 2019-2020 season. In 21, whilst playing the Red Wings, I was walked by Moritz Sider in overtime and could only watch on helplessly as he scored. I wear number 74 as opposed to 24 and shoot left instead of right. Yet Rob Cop Show thought I was Dylan Cousins. Who am I? Asplund. <laughs> this, okay, there's Rowan's ripping on me on Twitter is like funny 98% of the time. And then there's the 2% where it gets like obsessively creepy. This is the one because I sent a tweet. <laughs> like this is how on the ball he is. I think I left this tweet up before I realized I made a mistake. It could not have been 15 seconds. <laughs> like, I'm I not kidding. It. Like, I posted it and then I saw like a GIF right above it. I'm like, oh, no, that's not him. Delete. 15 seconds. I hear wedding bells in the future. Like, I was just like, I saw a screenshot. I'm like, there's no way. <laughs> you can't beat him, dude. 15 he is everywhere. seconds. Rowan is omniscient, omnipresent. Like, cause I'm not even exaggerating. The next tweet above, like on my timeline from when I sent it was a gif of the goal. And I'm like, oh no. He got you, bro. He brings you. That is crazy. <laughs> you should be so happy because I would never pay that close attention to what you tweet. <laughs> my wife doesn't play that close attention to me in person. <laughs> no, no, that's, um, that was doctor's orders actually. <laughs> Ryan Dodd says, if you could trade one forward and one defenseman, trade four, one forward and one defenseman in the entire NHL. Uh, to make this team more competitive, who would it be? And what assets would be leaving Detroit? We we get carte blanche. Yeah, I mean, I guess it has to be a fair trade. Uh, McDavid and McCarran damn near the entire organization. Yeah, anyone it takes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if you can keep Raymond Insider, doesn't matter what else moves. Oh, I would trade everybody else. Um, the ghost of Danny DeKaiser's knees says, did you know that Lucas Raymond and Moritz Sider are Detroit Red Wings? Seems too good to be true. And every morning I have to wake up and rush to check the roster just to make sure it wasn't some insane dream. Uh, but cap friendly had it on today too. So things are still looking good. C nods says the rookies are on fire and that makes me happy. Can we take a moment to appreciate Sider's interview answer to the question, which teammate would you want to be on a deserted Island with? Answer anyone but Lucas Raymond. That wasn't even his best answer in that thing. Favorite hobbies. Brunch. Brunch. He's <laughs> a big dude. Needs a lot of calories. It's a real white girl answer. <laughs> yeah. Well, if I was six foot whatever he is, I'd probably need 30. Oh, he probably eats 4,000 calories a day. There is a brunch in KW that's $50 and it's all you can drink mimosas. Where is it? Uh, Actually, no free ads. Tell yeah. me later. Is it, yeah. is it, is no. it the sport you play? No, what? No, 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 not at, not at my golf course. Uh, no, and there's a restaurant named golfs. But oh, oh, no. Couple of questions. We're seeing an unreal amount of offense from Cider that wasn't in his profile. What skill is he showing that was missed or overlooked? And do you think it's sustainable? The ability to make the right pass at the right time. 
that that's it. Full stop. He's not doing anything. Look at his points. He's not doing anything insanely fancy. He's just getting the puck very quickly being the keyword quickly making his read and making the pass. Uh, Lars, the prophet of the towering behemoth is uh, uh, scolding us for not talking about Elmer Soderbloom enough. We'll do a Sweden roundup. I know we're overdue. It's the, um, the euros on the red wings right now are, are hogging up all the airtime, but uh, we will talk more about Lord uh, Elmer, which apparently is a scandal. Uh, says speaking of scandals, as our kids are dominating their age groups, both in the NHL and SHL, how come the WWP shop does not carry shades wing wheel podcast logo on one side and the text, the future is bright on the other. Okay. Our vendor doesn't have shades yet, but the moment they do, we are absolutely doing that. Yours truly large, somewhat of an orc and master of level headed takes on Elmer Soderbloom song eight on Ramstein's sixth album and wings for everyone. I already know what that word is. Slava Garrisimchuk says good day for Moritz to score a hat trick. Darlene for Edvinson straight up. Who says no? <laughs> okay. But does Buffalo do that? No, absolutely not. Okay, but they would think about it. No, they wouldn't. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah, I'm. I, you're right. I am an idiot, but it's rude for you to point it out, both of you. Uh, Colorado 14ers says, uh, Cider had one of the most nonchalant reactions to a first ever NHL goal that I've ever seen. That combined with the high level of effort he brings in every game shows me how much character he has. Both he and Raymond's uh, level of play and leadership could very well mean the last five years would be worth the next 15 to come. To have one of those guys would be special. To have both could be Crosby and Malkin special, and I'm not exaggerating. And if you haven't brought up how certain prospects in the SHL and WHL are faring so far this year, I'm sure you will soon. We will, we will, we will, we will. The future is bright. Congrats on 10K disciples on tweeters. Connor Dukes says, let's get weird. Which NHL mascot would be the best hockey player and why? Grady. He beat. Move on. Next question. Okay. Uh, Clint Banesh says, "With this game being, uh, with this being game five hundred, will it be the lo- will this be the last time we see Danny DeKaiser? No, absolutely not. He's playing on the top pair. In what twenty two minutes tonight? Yeah. Yeah. It's honestly, I've I've come to accept it. It's just like Cider played away from. I think didn't did Cider not play away from him for the Boston game? Don't remember." Try to block that game out of my memory. He played away from him for either the Boston game or the uh, Buffalo game. Regardless. Um, well, yeah, DeKaiser was scratched for a game. I think it was the Boston game. Yeah. And that was a train wreck of a game. Ah, so we figured it out. <laughs> Danny DeKaiser is the only reason the Red Wings are winning. You're welcome. Uh, I Yeah, I don't care. I like. It's not the best for Cider in terms of where he is on the ice and the help he has on the blue line, but... It is what it is. Every coach has their vice. Um, Denny Blay says, congrats on the 10K benchmark. However, it's your work for the Jamie Daniels Foundation you guys should be most proud of. And that interview with Ken was deeply moving. Good work. Uh, Denny, thank you so much. That that means a lot to us. And I hope everyone knows that is what we're truly proud of. You know, the Twitter numbers and those little benchmarks we set for ourselves, that is, you know, well and good. But um, the work we're able to do with your support for the Jamie Daniels Foundation is, is what really um, drives us. AJ Voss says, what on earth did Troy Stetcher do to piss off Jeff Blaschel so badly? I do, I do not know. Um, oh, and Denny Blay also says, can we shift Rass? He looks like he would rather have a cuppa with his nan than flatten someone properly. And you're right about every shot is a goalie chess magnet. Elmer to Grand Rapids, please. I cannot wait for other teams to be a little bit more intimidated by us. 
Rasmussen can be the, this is a longer topic, but the tagline is Rasmussen can be the grindy, use your body to generate offense at least somewhat while being a good defensive player that he wants to be if he got stronger. He needs to get stronger. He cannot be carried on skill. His skill is not, you know, above average in the NHL. It's not good. He's just not there. Um, he needs to be stronger, especially for his size. The reason I'm optimistic is because he has the size part figured out. Dude's massive. He's got a good frame. Just needs to spend the summer in the gym with Gary Roberts. Gary Roberts, pay him whatever he needs. Get Michael Rasmussen to win those body and puck battles. Anyways, I'm going to move on because Brad looks like he's going to yell at me. Yep, because that's definitely the only problem. Philip Gastineau says, congrats on 10K. I'll never understand why teams that are in the playoff race play their backup goalie against the worst team in the back-to-back. For example, if I was Vegas and I played Florida and Arizona in a back-to-back, I would play Leonard against Arizona and my backup against Florida. (sighs) Nope, because you can beat the bad teams with your backups. You're not beating Tampa Bay with your backup. Stay Fresh Cheesebags says, uh, well, Pubis McPeebus, say hi to Uncle Remus because Mort Sider's first NHL goal was an absolute dandy. Joseph, what? (laughs) How high are you? (laughs) Uh, Ty, how are you? (laughs) Just want to say that everyone knew Colton was getting fired as soon as that footage of him handing the whiteboard over to his players made the round. What's the plan for the meetup? Where's the after party? Which hotel lobby are we throwing up in? And where are we hiding the bodies? Anton Lindell? Somehow related? Dude, that guy is nasty. He's gross. Yeah. Yeah. Anton Lundell is not talked about. Well, he is talked about enough. It's just there's other things distracting in Florida. Dungeon Master of Puppets says, I have nothing witty or clever to say. I'm just loving watching this team, even when we lose. And it's such a huge difference. I'm so happy. Keep cool, Gabagool. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. Every one. time. <laughs> oh, man. You guys are funny. You're funnier than we deserve. Ben Barron says, hey, Dub Dubs, I just want to say that I normally don't lose my mind while watching Wings games, but when Cider scored, I literally screamed. I can't wait for Saturday. See you then. Brian Fusen says, off-topic questions. What chance do you think there was uh, there is that the Wings would retire Shanahan's number 14? He, he's a leaf now. Traitor forever. Dead to us. I don't think they will. Yeah. I Dead to us. He's my favorite player of all time. I don't think he clears the bar. If he had stayed with the Red Wings his entire the rest of his career, I think he would have. I don't even think that mattered. He spent too much time elsewhere. He he got such a late start with Detroit relative to his career, right? Cody Stark says I ripped out old carpet and laid six hundred square feet of flooring in my house yesterday. This was my hey honey, I'm gonna get drunk and watch hockey in Detroit next weekend project. Problem is, I woke up feeling like I was 100 years old with knees and backaches. Now tonight, I have my first skate since last season. Pray for me. Rip. We'll give you some Windwheel podcast branded happy knees at the next meetup. Uh, Jeff Blashill's big smile says, uh, skip the prospect profiles. We're making the yoffs this year. We're going to the playoffs, boys. <laughs> uh, Chad Hiresack says, when do we make Cider's goal song to a Detroit Motown song? Yeah, we got to eventually. We really do have to. Um, dance Giovanni dance says, did Tyler Bertuzzi level up into a point per game player? And if he did vaccination status permitting, does he have a shot at team Canada? Yeah. This whole vaccine thing aside, he's in conversations depending on injuries. Injuries. Yeah. Canada likes to have their grindy type fourth line. He's still a long shot. And if he doesn't get vaccinated, he literally can't. Yeah. Per their policy. Um, but 
I don't think it's crazy. Not likely, but it's not crazy. If he's doing this in December, he's in conversations. He'll be, you'll see him on the TV screen and mock-ups. Vaccination status dependent. Anyways, on that chipper note, we're going to wrap up this episode of the Wing Wheel Podcast. Again, folks, the last batch of tickets that will be made available are available. Link in the bio, Wind Wheel Podcast Night at the LCA, Detroit versus Montreal, tickets to the game, tickets to the meetup. Meet uh, and greet with the coast, the coast, the hosts. Ken Daniel will be there. Live episode, um, pregame meetup, hang out together while we watch the game in our own sections. Post game hangout, it's a whole thing. Get your tickets today. Like to thank all of our listeners, our name level sponsors. Oh, let's take one Reddit question. I'm so sorry, we haven't taken a Reddit question in forever. We owe the we owe the Reddit fans one question at least before we wrap up here. Uh, let's go with the top comment. Winger Dinger is asking about Rasmussen, so recognizing that, um, we'll we'll chat about that later. Uh, Red Wings ten twenty three says, "I wonder if we're getting mad, sad, or glad, Crisco tonight." Horse Crisco. Yes. Yeah. Um, Jeremy D. It's it's a bold of you to assume I just don't perpetually live in those states all at once. You do. Jeremy D nineteen says, "When we're competitive, who do you think in the org has the best chance at getting the second alternate captain after Cider gets the first one?" Raymond. Yeah, it would be, eh? You you want to keep those guys around forever, and that's the kind of way you, you make it, it like you bake them into the, the fold. He plays the right way. Yep. 200 foot player. Yep. Coaches love him. All right. We'd like to thank our name level sponsors um, Arjun Shanker, Eves Bartels on behalf of the Sarah Grand Foundation, Kyle Kragitz, Nick Perks, Brett Bailey, Terry Driver of Crying Ryan, Hannah's Banana Slam Jamathong, Taylor Tagel, Matthew M. Rice, Brandon M., Carl Brutin, and Nanaluski. Citizen High Five, CJ Sully, Clayton Van Dyken, Craig Kibble, Derek Enstam, DJ Denton, Give Blood, Fight Probert, Greech, Hana Lee, Hassam al Jacob Turner, Jake Kiefer, Justin and the Angry Mob, Kaylin Wood, King Tone, Cody Stark, Kyle Hashman, Matt McKay, R.A., Ryan Hubbard, Scott Martin, Stay Fresh Cheese Bags, Shea Lobsinger's number one Stan, Slognog Wild Ride, I don't even know what that means. Zach Spring, Andrew Bohan, Sam Bankson, Adam, I wish I could finish like Ernie, Antonio Gracias, congrats, Antonio, Ass, Babe Landis Cog, Ben Barron, Colorado 14ers, Connor Leighton, Evans Bingo Card, Jeremy Brocker, John Evans, Josh Yelton, Kevin McCracken, Quaz, Matt Keeler, Matt S, Max $1 million, Michael Alsante, Reed, Revy DeLuca, Trevor Pevavar, Zach Handyside, and Zach McCann, a driving range superstar. Hope you get your tickets soon. We'll talk to you Wednesday. Thanks for tuning in to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Be sure to check out wingedwheelpodcast.com, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll also find links to other ways to support the show, such as Patreon, official podcast apparel, and more. And don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at Winged Wheel Pod. And of course, the hosts at Brad Crisco, at Ryan Hanna WWP, and at Hockey Town Evan.